to join me this past Friday night for Pastor Chad. I talked a bit about a fairly popular preacher in our part of the country, Paul Prather. Paul for many years has been a religion columnist for the Herald Leader and also followed in his daddy's footsteps to preach in a small church. He's currently the pastor of a rural, charismatic, Pentecostal congregation in Montgomery County. He's been a part-time or full-time minister for more than 40 years. Now, while I have not always agreed with everything that Paul writes or everything he believes, just as, by the way, few, if any, agree with all that I write or all that I believe, I have long respected Paul Prather for his openness to dealing with difficult issues that face the church, any church. This past week, Paul shared the onslaught of emails that he had received from across the country about his sharing of the latest Gallup poll, which some of you may have seen, indicating that now less than half of our population claim any religious affiliation and that instead people are leaving the church, capital C, in groves. After sharing this information, Paul went on to give his perspective about why this might be the case. And so if you're inclined, you might want to look that article up online. In response to this onslaught of emails, Paul shared some memories of his dad, who died in 2012. And specifically, some memories of his dad's last sermon, I believe at the age of 80. And he said it was pretty short and simple. That at the end of the day, his daddy said, following Christ boiled down to one word, love. Now we hear that a lot, don't we? I mean, heck, we even preach about love a lot right here at Bluegrass. And I think most pastors would agree with Paul Prather's dad. When the rubber hits the road, being godlike in the world means loving others. Seems simple enough. Until. Until we really dig into the scripture to find out what kind of love. That is, what God's kind of love is all about. And then, well, it's then that we can see why it's much easier to walk away from a faith journey calling us to love like that. Especially calling us to love people that, let's be honest, we really don't even like. And yet, that's what we're called to do. To love in extraordinary ways. And to love difficult people. And to do more than talk about love, to show love by our actions. And while a note card found at the address of someone struggling to get by is certainly a loving act, while a casserole handmade and delivered to a grieving friend is certainly another loving act, these kinds of things just skim the top of loving actions. In our scripture today, both passages, we read about what kind of love is expected from those of us who claim the Christian faith. So let's break those down just a bit. First, the story of the good shepherd versus the hired hand. The point here being made in the Gospel of John, that a true shepherd is someone who will put themselves in danger. In this example, a mouth-savoring wolf in order to protect those they love. And in this particular passage, as is so often seen through Scripture, Jesus is portrayed as the shepherd or the sheep. Every single one of us and every single one of them. 
Jesus was willing to give his life for us in that he was warned over and over again to stop being so radical, to stop being so inclusive, and to stop taking on the powers that be in politics, social settings, and even religious circles. And yet Jesus ignored those warnings, knowing that it would cost him his life. Instead, he kept going to the furthest margins of society and bringing the sheep, the people, into God's circle of care and God's circle of love and hope and grace. And did you read on? Not just those people who were bold enough to claim a belief in this ragtag rabbi named Jesus. Oh no, did we hear? I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also. Now, that's when Jesus and I need to have a little talk. What? I must look after those with whom I disagree. I must go searching for those that, to be honest, I'd just soon they find a large rock to crawl under for like forever. It's as if God knew how hard it would be to love some people. I mean, let's be honest. Some people are very difficult to deal with. They don't see the world clearly. They're arrogant about their faith. They're selfish and greedy. They're opinionated and political. They're just plain hard. And after all, I only have so much time, and God bless them, I don't want them to waste my valuable time Chasing after people who I don't want to spend time with anyway. I'm just fine with them staying in their fold, and I'll stay in mine. But the problem is, those folks would describe me in the same way I just described them. And yet, loving and staying in our own folds, that's not what godlike love is about. Let's turn to that passage. We know love by this, that Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees another in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this we know he abides in us and the spirit that was given to us. And by this. But what is this? This is love. And not love notes, my friends. But love actions. And not simple actions or easy actions. But laying down our lives for one another. Now here's the good news. Few, if any of us, will ever be in a situation where we really have to literally give up our life for another human being. And yet figuratively, I think what this means is that we have to be willing to give up our comfort zones, to give up our conveniences, to give our resources, to give our very gifts and talents bestowed on us by God in order to bring someone else out of the ditches and curveballs life can bring. See, I think it's as if God knew we differ on how we see the world. It's as if God knew that we differ about how we see politics 
and our ideologies. It's as if God knew that we'd all want to carve out our own way of believing and worshiping and try to claim that our faith is the right one or at the very least the best. It's as if God knew that we want to do things our way rather than God's way. And so, friends, these passages remind us of what we've signed up for, for those of us claiming the Christian faith. See, God knew that along life's way, maybe even within our churches, we disagree. Ever paid much attention to how much Paul wrote to the churches he founded about them disagreeing with one another? I've learned a long time ago, people are people are people. And just because people are in the church, we're still just people with our own personalities and our own warts. And so doesn't it make sense that if our kind of peeps in our own flock get on our last nerve sometimes, those who think much differently than us can drive us nuts. I don't know about you, friends, but I'm pretty guilty of trying to keep my distance from those who I think are just clueless about how the world really is. And I often desire even more distance from those who claim an arrogant faith or a monopoly on God. But how in heaven's name might there ever be an ounce of love exchanged if we're all distant? It's tough, or at least it is for me, to sometimes share the same air with those who I find to be very difficult. And yet, here's what I know. When I donate blood on a regular basis, I'll just bet that a pint or two of that blood along the way has gone to a die-hard Pentecostal Republican. <laughs> and the truth is, I hope some of my inclusive blood has made its way into some of them. But seriously, let's think about times in our nation's history or even our small hometowns when disaster strikes. 9-11, those of us who lived through that day and the days following will never forget it. And more recently, those of us who are paying close attention will never forget May 25th, 2020, a day our nation watched with great difficulty and we watched through the courageous teenage lens of Darnella Frazier as George Floyd was literally choked to death by a Minnesota police officer. It's not like something like that had never happened before. It had, much more than once. But this time it took hold in our country. And I hope we never forget it. To the point that we will continue to work for justice and dignity for all human beings, black, brown, immigrant, refugee, gay, lesbian, transgender, young and old, rich and poor, educated, uneducated, and all matter of differently abled. See, the call here, friends, is to lay down our figurative life for one another, period. On 9-11, there weren't any polls taken as folks were trying to cram down stairwells to escape there were no any questions about what political affiliation someone had or what religious belief they ascribed to. No, we know on that day, evacuees and objective to help another human being to safety. When small towns are flooded or large coastal areas are destroyed by hurricanes, 
We don't limit our donation of supplies or the amounts on our checks by particular groups or individuals who might catch the paper towels or get a free meal. See, I think the truth is when these catastrophes occur, that's when we show the kind of love for one another that we're called to show on normal days. When there are no planes of enemies flying through buildings, when the river water crests before flowing out of its banks, when the wind is calmer than projected, and when there are no minority victims of injustice and discrimination. So how about it? How about just normal days? How do we show this kind of radical love on everyday people in our everyday living? Why do we wait for catastrophe to show out our love in God's way? To reach out in fearless and selfless love regardless of the sticker on the car or the lever pulled in the voting booth. And when folk don't think like us or believe like us or look like us, when they are just not in our fold, why in the world would we go looking for them to love on them? Because, friends... That's how we were taught, and that's how we are called, to love when it's hard, to love when it's inconvenient, to love when the truth is we don't really want to. It's as if God knew all of this, and that's why those of us claim to be Christians claim to follow Jesus. We needed an example. We needed to see someone in real human flesh going against the grains to show us how to love people who are really difficult. And did we ever get it? We got that example. And we have received that kind of love even when we are difficult. Will we emulate that example or will we run from it? Will we only watch out for our type? Or will we go searching for those who we just soon stay lost? Paul Prather also shared this about his dad, and I quote, I don't think anyone believed in God more radically than my father did. He was a former Southern Baptist turned holy roller. He spoke in tongues, laid hands on the sick, and prophesied whenever the Spirit moved him. He'd stop to get gas, and while he was there, he'd lead the station's attendant in the sinner's prayer. Spiritually speaking, he was a wild man, and sometimes he embarrassed me. But he was defined by two virtues, humility and love. He thought that no matter how strongly he believed something, he was just a flawed human being rescued by God's grace and thus subject to being wrong. He taught me to keep that in mind about myself too, which I try to do. In our small town, he was a leader in the local ecumenical movement. For years, his best clergy friend was the town's Episcopal priest. Dad preached in black churches and had black ministers preach in ours. He led a monthly Bible study for a convent of Catholic nuns. He accepted gay people before there was even a gay rights movement in the mid-1960s. And when he saw Mormon missionaries out trudging down the street on a rainy day, he'd stop, tell them to hop in his car, and drive them on their rounds. He treated people humanely because he generally cared whether or not he agreed with them, whether or not they looked like him, whether or not they cared for him. 
And every Christmas, he'd give away a hundred shiny bicycles to parents who might not otherwise have presents for their children. He rarely met a transient. He didn't slip a few dollars or find a place to sleep. He visited the sick in hospitals. He visited prisoners in jails. The immigrants who worked in the Chinese restaurant called him Papa and considered him family. When strangers died without clergy, he preached their funerals regardless of their faith or creed. End quote. Hmm. Maybe Paul Prather's daddy was on to something. Maybe he actually did practice what he preached about this love thing, hard as it can be sometimes. You know, I think for some, Jesus might be too long removed for us to follow closely how to live and how to love in his example. It seems to me it's as if God knew that too. So he called everyday people that walk among us to show us a few things about love. He called everyday people like Pastor Paul Prather and his daddy. And perhaps even people like us. Thanks for joining us for the Bluegrass United Church of Christ podcast. We'd love to have you join us for a service sometime. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 500 Don Anna Drive in Lexington, Kentucky. You can find us online at bluegrasschurch.org.